Welcome to Centre Church. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. If you could turn with me to John 14. And we're going to be reading from verses 1. And it says here, this is Jesus speaking, and he says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also, and from now on you know him and have seen him. And here we, we have, we're going to be pre- speaking today on Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. That he truly is the answer. He is all in all for us. You know, one of the greatest gifts that we have, that every single person has when they're born, regardless of of faith or anything, is that each of us is born with a conscience. That God gives every man with a conscience, no matter if you're a young kid, no matter your background, no matter circumstance, no matter how unique your situation, no matter upbringing, even little kids will have a conscience from a young age, where in in their innermost being, they know what's right and what's wrong. Even if it's a situation they've never faced before, they, they know they have a voice in them that tells them what is right and what is wrong. And this is a great gift that God deposits to us even before we commit our lives to him. But what's even greater than that is the, is the gospel of Jesus Christ and the spirit of God that comes to live in us. That over time of a conscience, we can become hardened to it, we can reject that, and over time we can just not even hear our consciences much anymore. But the great gift of our salvation and and what God has done through his son, Jesus Christ, is that God comes to live in us. And God shows us where to go. He says here that he is the way. You know, John the Baptist said before, he said, I come and I baptize in water. But there's one coming after me who will baptize in the Holy Spirit. Speaking of Jesus and the great baptism he was to bring to us. That God would, would not just merely forgive us of our sins, but he'd put his spirit to live on the inside of us. Greater than our conscience is now the spirit of God, a holy and mighty God that comes to take residence in us. And it's this Holy Spirit that comes to live in us, and not only just to live in us, but to empower us to live the Christian life and to be free. And this is the, this new nature, this new covenant that we have with God through Jesus and faith in him. We can say, And we can know with assurance the way that Jesus is speaking of. It is a great blessing that we have. You know, oftentimes we'll say, and I've said it before, you know, I wish the Bible was just an easy step-by-step guide where in the exact situation I'm in, it gives me the clear roadmap of what I need to do to go from A to B to C. If it gave me that, that would be perfect. That's what I need right now. But, you know, God be glorified that it isn't like that. You know, we think we'd want that. And... Maybe in a situation, in a crisis point, you'd think that would be the best thing. But God knows us better than we know ourselves, and and that wouldn't fix things for us. 
Sure, that would get the external to align up, but the inner man, who we are, our character, our nature, would be left unchanged. We'd be like the Pharisees in the time of Jesus that, okay, we're fulfilling part of the law, most of the law on a surface level, but nothing's changed from within. You know, Jesus spoke to them and he said, you're like, a, you're like the washing of a cup where outside you're clean, but inside you're full of extortion and self-indulgence. That you think just because the external is aligned up that you've got it all figured out, but inside you are, you're corrupted. Jesus goes along further and says to them, he says, he says, you call yourself sons of God, but you're not sons of God. He says, you're sons of the devil. And that only through faith in Jesus we converted. These are, these are harsh words. These are... These are black and white words, but what Jesus comes to do isn't just to give us a, a road map. He doesn't just come to give us a step-by-step, step, but he wants to work from, from the inside out. He doesn't just come to tell you what to do tomorrow. He comes to change you from the inside so you live out the Bible, not as opposed to just copying it. This is the great, this is the why. God, God be thanked that it is the way that it is. Thank, thank God that it isn't just a step-by-step guide. Step thank you that God gives us his spirit, and he says you will know the way. By me living in you, by, by fellowshipping with me, by following me, by going the way of the Lord Jesus, by obeying my spirit that lives in you, you will know the way. And that is the great blessing that we have, that Jesus is the way. That he doesn't just want our workings, but he wants our hearts, he wants who we are, he wants all of us. These same Pharisees, by the way, were ones that were fulfilling a lot of the law, that they were on a, on a surface level, were doing a lot, but still in their fulfillment, still in all this, they determined that it was right. In their wisdom, they determined it was right that Jesus would be mocked and beaten and hung on a tree. This was man's wisdom. This is what we would have if, if, if we didn't have the Spirit of God, if we didn't have the way who is Jesus Christ, we would be the same one standing there condemning him to death. We're thinking we were right, but being so far wrong. That those Pharisees there, serving in the church, and in, in amongst all of that, they're doing the bidding of the devil. They're going hand in hand with Satan himself, putting the Son of God, the only begotten of a Father, putting all the sin of the world upon him. This is why, though, when Jesus says he is the way, it's not a specific step by step, but it's saying, living in me, living through me, living, um, letting me live in you letting me change you, letting me conform you into my very image, then you will know the way. Then you'll know the way in every situation. Then you'll know through knowing me what to do and how to respond. And when it, when it starts even impacting your subconscious, where it's not even a, a conscious thing that you're having to fight, but now it's God so has taken residence in you and you have obeyed him for so many years that it is now your nature to respond that way. And it's not a desperate fight every time. This is God's desire for us, is to be like him. And this is the greatness of the word of God and the spirit of God. That God, and it says here, and Jesus, Jesus was saying here, he said, the way you will know. You know, in John 10, it says, my sheep know my voice. That even sometimes I, I've had it where I'm going, man, I don't think, I don't feel like I'm hearing the voice of God. But by faith, we have to hold on to this promise that we do hear the voice of God. And that by his spirit that lives in us, by a relationship with God the Father, we can hear God. And God wants us to hear him. That God isn't a faraway God, but he's very near to us. And, Jesus, and through Jesus, you know, God, God speaking to Mary, he said, he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is God with us. The God-man that came to walk on this earth among us, 
He is with us. We're not alone. Thank goodness that the, the Godhead, the Trinity, aren't sitting up in heaven and we're all cut off. That God is with us. That Jesus is here with us today. He says, we're two or more gathered in your name. He says, I am there in the very midst of them. Not just watching on from 100 feet above. He says, I'm in their midst. It's how close Jesus is for us today, that he is truly the way. There is no better way than Jesus. John 14, when you read this part, it brings an absolute finality to ourself. It brings, a, it brings an end to our plans, to our ideas, to our opinions, to my wisdom. It brings an end to all of this because it says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That This is a, a, nail in, a nail in our own coffin, so to speak. This puts an end to, to how Alex would do things or how we would decide things or how we would run a church or how we would live this life or how we would respond, that this is following Jesus and, and he is the way. Not just his words is the way, but he, the person of Jesus, is the way. It says in 1 Colossians, in, in this great opening of the letter, it says that in all things he may have the preeminence. In other words, in every single thing Jesus comes first. Your job doesn't have to be separate from loving Jesus. Your family life doesn't have to be separate from your being born again. Your coming to church, whatever it is, wherever you're going, you're paying the bills. It does not have to be separate from Christ. That God, in all things, in every single thing, Jesus has preeminence. And he desires that in every area of our life. You know, so, so often there'll be people here with unique situations, situations I've definitely probably can't get my head around, things that are going on in your lives that I have, I've never been in that situation before, or a lot of people might not have faced that before. But there is a, there is a God up there who says in Hebrew, says that he can sympathize with all things. He was tempted in all things. Says he's our mediator, says he's our very advocate, like Julian was saying earlier. That when we come, that we have Jesus, and that we don't have a situation or a circumstance that God can't solve or God can't work through, God doesn't know what to do, that Jesus is the way. And sometimes it would just do us good just to put everything down for a second and just to focus on him and pray. Pray often. Ask God. Let God take the lead of your life. Let God empower you. Let God decide the outcome rather than we try and determine the outcome. Jesus is the way. He is also the truth as well. If you would go with me briefly to Luke 24. I'm just going to read a short passage here from verse 44. This is Jesus after he has been resurrected, after he's conquered death in the grave. And everything hell could throw at him. He is now with his disciples returning again. He says here in verse 44, Then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was with you, that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. That Jesus is the fulfillment of the word of God. John 1 goes even further, laying out the foundation of the gospel. It says that he is the word made flesh and dwelt among us. That Jesus doesn't just appear in your Bible from the New Testament, but he runs through every single book and page of your Bible from Genesis right through to Revelation. 
He's not just a character that arrives late on the scene, but he's embedded, and his blood courses through every page of our book. That Jesus here, he says everything. He says in the Old Testament, everything in the Psalms, everything in the law of Moses, everything by the prophets written concerning me. If you get your Old Testament, you tear all that out, you're left with a very small Old Testament. That it all, this whole Bible speaks of Jesus. This whole Bible, God, you know, in the New Testament, you don't hear often the audible voice of God. There isn't, there aren't many accounts in the Bible of the audible voice of God, but there is, there is one account at the Mount of Transfiguration, and it's God that speaks from the clouds, and he says, this is my beloved son, hear him. This is heaven's agenda. This is God's great message for humanity. This is God's great message for us, and it doesn't change. He is the same yesterday and today and forever, and God is still saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. Don't hear Alex, don't hear about other people's opinions, hear Jesus Christ. This is the message God has for us, and it still rings true today. It is the wonderful message of the gospel. He is the absolute truth. Again, he is the whole Bible. There is no redacting from the Bible. If you just want to look at Jesus, it's every page, it's every story. It's from the garden. It's from the garden of Eden to the garden of Gethsemane. It goes everywhere. The people of Egypt, the people of Israel, taking them out of Egypt, wherever you go, it speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is not separate. There is no contextual application of the gospel. There is no, well, what Jesus says doesn't apply to me today. No matter how hard-hitting it is, no matter how radical it is, no matter how strange it is to our way of living and our lives, that the words of Jesus do not change because he doesn't change and our salvation doesn't change and the cross doesn't change, that we have the assurance that the words that Jesus spoke 2,000 years ago are still applicable today and they're still alive today. He is the truth. And he didn't just come with, with, when he came with the gospel, he didn't just come to annul the old, old covenant. He says, I've not come here to annul it, I've come here to fulfill it. I've come here, not only when, when he speaks to the Beatitude, it's not to do away with the law of Moses. It's saying, I'm showing you the deeper meaning of it. I'm saying, not saying about committing adultery, I'm saying if you even look at someone else and you lust for them, you've committed adultery. Jesus wasn't here to do away with the old covenant, he was here to bring the why behind it, the depths of God's will for us. Jesus is the fully revealed will of God. The will of God for us is revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the truth. And like he says here, he is the life as well. Not only is he the way, not only does he speak the truth, but he is the very life that is within us that can course through our veins today. Jesus says in John 11, you don't have to turn there, but he speaks to the woman. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Isn't it wonderful we have a God that doesn't just raise us up, but keeps us alive. We're not just born again. We're not just baptized one day, but every day we are alive because of him. Paul says, even though the outward man is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed day by day by day. What a great blessing this is that Jesus doesn't just awaken us, but he invigorates us day by day, that the vitality that we can have in the Christian life is not just a one-day event that we look back on 20-odd years ago, but we say, Jesus is alive in me today. And he's conforming me into his image today. And he's molding me and shaping me today, that when I leave my house or wherever I go, I'm not alone. I'm not, 
I'm not absent from God, but God is very much with me, that Christ lives within me. It's not just a one-time act. It says in Colossians 1, it says that God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, and him we preach. So often we preach about things that just do not matter. We know so much about things that just have no weight to them, but, but Jesus we preach. You go through the book of Acts, you'll be staggered if you start looking how often it says, and they preach Christ to them, and they preach Jesus to them, and they preach the Lord, they preach the way that is Christ to them, and they minister Jesus to them. Sometimes we think in our spiritual maturity that we want to go on to the deeper things, but there is no deeper thing beyond Jesus. There is no greater next level. We can talk about prophecies or, or things like this, which are wonderful things, but Jesus is the chief prophet. God spoke through Moses in Deuteronomy 18. He says, I will raise up a prophet like me among you, and him you shall hear. Speaking of the coming of Jesus Christ, he is the chief prophet. We want to speak about giftings. These are wonderful things that God will do among us, and I'm not trying to minimize that, but may we not forget about Jesus along the way. You know, Jesus does not just belong to the Alpha Course. Jesus does not, and the cross does not just belong for beginner one, and then you move on, and you don't need to speak about him anymore. That the life of Jesus is very much as real today as it was for me the day I got saved. And may that be for all of us. May it not be that we leave Jesus at the entryway. He's not just the door, he's the whole house, he's everything. This is the great gospel we have. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He's saying there, I'm everything. I am all in all. Paul says that he fills, that Jesus fills all things with himself. With himself he fills all things. That this is the great desire God has for us. Not that we just amount loads of knowledge about different things, but that we are, we are filled with him. We're consumed with him. We are, we are intentional and we are determined that it would only be about Christ Jesus. Jesus says... In the book of John, he says that he who believes in me, out of his innermost being, will flow rivers of living water. There are many promises in the Christian life. There are promises that we will be up against difficulty. There are promises of opposition. There are promises that there is, a, there is an enemy that walks around like a lion seeking who may devour. There are promises that we will have these obstacles, but there are no promises that you'll be far from God. There is no promise that you need to be without God or lacking or, or dry why do we say we're spiritually dry when we've got this river flowing in us? A river that the Psalm 46 says that shall make glad the city of God, that God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. That We don't have to be lacking. We, they, I'm, not saying about, I'm not saying we won't face difficulties, but we do not need to be absent from God. We do not need to feel cut off from the Lord Jesus. That is not a promise from God, that he can be very near to us. And he can fill us, even in the greatest trial, even in the greatest difficulties, we can know Jesus more closely and be more empowered by him than ever before, even in the midst of the hardest situation. The Lord Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And it is him we preach, like it says in Colossians, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, it speaks. If you say, I want to know what God is like, look to Jesus. He is the perfect representation of God. There, I'm sure there have been many people that have 
had encounters where they've gone to heaven and come back, and they've talked about these things, and I'm sure there's some really amazing stuff in there, but even in that, the greatest testimony of God is Jesus. The greatest picture of God is the Son, Jesus Christ. I hear Christians say things that, how do I know that God loves me? Oftentimes when I was growing up, you hear God loves me, and for me, I made it become a cliche, and it held no weight, but the scripture is so clear. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And there's no, another scripture that says that he has then been taken away, that Jesus is still being given to us by God. But how do we know God loves us? Through Jesus Christ. Through the giving of himself and the giving on a tree when he hung and he took my sin, that my sin nailed him to a tree. That's how I know God loves me. There have been testimonies, I'm sure there are many testimonies in the room where God has, re- you've really had a wonderful encounter with God and God has really ministered to you. But I tell you what, ne- let nothing trump the life and the suffering and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But that is the great testimony, that Jesus rose again, that God sent us his only begotten son. We're sons of God, but God didn't birth us like he birthed Jesus. It says, that, it says when Jesus came, it said he took, he took the authority of heaven with him, that God actually gave away of himself when he gave of Jesus. It was, it, when he, Jesus came down, he was fully God as well as fully man. Then it cost God something to give us Jesus. What a wonderful gift it is. <laughs> there is a, that Jesus is up there right now. And as we are worshiping here, he's being worshiped in heaven 24-7 at the right hand of God. And in that, in that worship where he is being adored, he still has holes in his hands and in his feet. You know, Micah watches one of those um, Brazilian Christian kid things, the shows. What I love about it is that in every time they show Jesus, it shows the holes in his hands and his feet. And the scripture says that Jesus still carries those wounds today. That so often we think of God, Jesus as God, and because he's God, the things that he went through didn't really cost him much because he's kind of outside of that all. It doesn't really impact him like it would impact me. But when Jesus went to the cross, that was an eternal decision with eternal consequences. It speaks in Revelation that when they see him, he's as if the lamb, as if a lamb that was slain. That Jesus carries the marks with us forever. These aren't just, this isn't just a one-time action. This is eternal repercussions because of his love for us. And this gospel is eternal. His blood is eternal. His salvation is eternal. And the price he paid was eternal. That when we look to Jesus and we see the holes in his hands and his feet, these aren't just temporary things. This is an eternal decision that he made. And what a great gospel we have that God would bear these wounds for us. God the Son, who we will worship forever, bears these wounds for us. This is heaven's message. Him we preach. If you would turn quickly to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, this is the last passage I want to go through. We're going through a lot of Bible today. And this is Paul speaking to the church in Corinth. To give a background of this, this is Paul, a man who has had many encounters with God, who has seen great miracles, seen whole nations. He's gone to continents to bring the gospel that have never heard the gospel. This is a man who has seen a lot, knows a lot, endured a lot. What a great wisdom that he would have attained in that time. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it's Paul speaking. He says, And I, brethren, 
when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in a demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. He says here, I determine not to know anything except Jesus Christ and crucified. It takes a, it takes a, a real action. It takes intentionality to focus on Jesus and to throw away everything else. It's not something that happens by accident. It's not a, a chance thing that Paul said. In everything he's seen, he said, I've determined. You know, this was a church that had a lot going on, a lot of drama, a lot of issues. We could come here talking about how we've had experience and how to deal with certain things, and there's definitely wisdom in that, but Paul doesn't come there with that, and he's fully aware of what's going on. He says, I'm here to preach one message, and that is Jesus Christ. In him, there is freedom. Bible says, he who the Son sets free shall be free indeed. That we don't have to leave this church bound and, and under, bound and just in difficulty and feeling like we have no strength to overcome. That in him we have freedom. Not in me, not in a fancy message, not in a PowerPoint with one slide on it, but in him we have freedom. This is the great victory that we have. The victory is not because of us. It's because of Jesus and that he lives in us and that we live in him. He and he says, I determine. Often we have to just minimalize and simplify our lives and our, and our attitudes. Sometimes we want to build this whole wealth and this great vast width. But actually it's, it's focusing on Jesus. It's determining not to know anything else except Jesus Christ and him crucified. You know, when they, um, when they split an atom in, I think they did this in the Hadron Collider, and I think it's called... Man, this year's going nuclear fission. I'm sure people will call me out. Maybe I'm wrong. But um, when they split an atom, what they do is they get this, they get a, um, a neutron, and they, if you fire it at just the right speed and it hits the atom at the right place, it can cause an atom to explode and this great energy to come out. And I'm not just saying that to show off my GCSE chemistry knowledge or that, but there is truth in that as well. Now, oftentimes, in the Christian faith, but we want to build this large hammer. We want to get this vast resource of wealth and of knowledge of different things and of different people saying different things, reading all these different books. But you can't cut an atom by accident. You can't even get a hammer. You can't even get the, the, most, the biggest thing that you could find and you throw it at the atom. That's not going to split the atom. It has to be something small and laser-focused and at the right speed, that's what splits the atom. That's where the, you get the energy and the power that comes out of the atom and it splits it. And again, such is it in the Christian life that so often we are reading all these different books, trying all these different methods, but we are missing out on the centrality and the necessity and the preeminence of Jesus. And in that, we lose our power. But when do we just get back to the words of Jesus and we make them as binding upon our lives? That we don't say that I follow this way because I've tried it before. We say, I follow this way because Jesus said so. And that's final. Jesus said it, I believe it, and that settles it. When does that become binding upon our lives? This is the attitude that brings an end to ourselves. Like he said to the Pharisees, he said, you're full of self-indulgence. You're just feeding yourselves. You're building up your own ego. You're building up your own wisdom. Paul there, one of the wisest men on the planet, says, 
I'm, I'm making sure to preach Christ Jesus that your faith would not be in my wisdom. Your faith would not be in how great I could put my words together, how I could emotionally trip you or get you involved. I'm here to preach Christ, that Christ may get a hold of your hearts. May God be doing that today in, amongst you and amongst me, that Christ will get a hold of our hearts. That he is the true vine, it says in John 15. He says, any branch outside of Jesus is cut off and thrown away, but he, that he is the vine and we are the branches. How great when you look at a plant, what a, what a blessing it is that the branch is not the one that bears the life of the plant, but it's through the vine. It's not my, it's not my responsibility to generate my own life. It's not my responsibility to be the victorious one, that Jesus is victor, and, and in his victory I have life when I connected to him, when I cling to Jesus, when I let go of myself and I take a hold of the Lord Jesus Christ who has risen among us and has ascended on high, this is our victory. Sometimes we get so caught up talking about other things that don't matter. There There are times when it is right to talk about topical events or situations, but what a great thing that we have this series where we can just talk about Jesus again. The only one that can save us and can free us and can give us life. And he is the way and the truth. What a, what a comfort it is that we can talk about the one who can truly save us. Let's meditate more on him. We know so much about the latest scandal or what this celebrity Christian is doing or what they're doing or what that church is doing or what we should do or our initiatives or our programs. And when in it, we neglect Jesus. We neglect just the simple ways of following him. You know, I heard a wise man once said, he said, obey Jesus and leave the consequences to him. Obey the Lord and let God determine your life. Don't try and determine our own lives. You know, there are so many things that we know about that are outside of God. I remember God convicting me of this years ago. That we know more about sowing and reaping than we know about the Beatitudes. Why is that? Why is it that we know more about open doors and binding and loosing than it is to love our enemies or humility or being, hum- or being meek? It says, God, or be- being pure in heart. God says about the, Jesus says about the pure in heart, the great promise he has for them is that they will see God. It says about those that are meek that they will inherit the whole earth. And we want to talk about what great people we are. We want to talk about these things that are important, but they're nowhere near as important as the words of Jesus. They're nowhere near as important as the centrality of the gospel. Jesus said to the Pharisees, he says, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have life. But but these are they which testify of me. Again, we can study the Bible. We can know scripture and verse. We can know everything. But if we miss Jesus, we've missed the point. We know the words, but we're dead inside. Like the Pharisees, we know, we know what to say. We know the customs, but we are dead on the inside. God has not taken a hold of us. We've not allowed God to have uh, abide in us. And I'm here to say that this is not my idea. This is not Alex's wisdom. This is the wisdom of God, that God would send his son and that Jesus alone would save us, and Jesus alone can live in us and conform us into his image and and free us 
This is, not, this is nothing that man could come up with. Man could never determine that God would hang on a tree. Man could never determine that God would walk in our midst and he would save us. But it's him that we preach. He belongs everywhere. He belongs in the Bible studies. He belongs in the prayer rooms. He belongs in the Sunday. He long, belongs in our family homes. He belongs in our, our conversations. He belongs in our workplaces, in our schools. That Jesus here is to fill all things with himself. That is the great desire. That he's not just an abstract thing, but he is very real and alive and living day by day in us. That we are renewed by him. If I could invite Tom and the, the worship. You know, there's a, a wonderful woman of God called um, Corey Ten Boom. And I remember listening to her once and she said, look around and be distressed. Look within and be depressed. Look to Jesus and be at rest. That the great antidote for this life is not a, an enhanced you. It's not a self-improved you, but it is Christ Jesus and him alone. I don't come here to talk about how great of a Christian I am. I am here to speak of the God-man, of Jesus the one who is the shepherd and the lamb, the one who is the mediator and the very offering that the mediator offers up to God in our place, that this is who we speak of, this is who we preach, this is who we have faith in, to have faith as we cast our lives upon it. We say, I believe in Jesus, and it's not just a mental ascent, it's not just, I'm not just standing here just speaking theology, I'm speaking of an everyday life, living and believing in Jesus, saying, I believe in Jesus, therefore, not just I believe in Jesus. It, it, it determines our lives. It shapes us. It changes our inner man. God wants to change us and mold us into his very image. And there are many things we could do. I think this would be a wonderful time just to worship and fix our eyes upon the one who came down and died for us. The one who, as Julian said, he is our advocate before the Father. The one who forever intercedes for us that this is our Jesus, he's not far off, he's very near, and he wants to fill us with himself. There is that wonderful old song that says that I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, that though none go with me, still I will follow. Though, as Paul said, we have to determine it in our lives that this is about Jesus and him alone. Uh, my message, my life points to one man, it is Christ Jesus. He is the way and the truth and the life. And that in him we can live and we can move and we can have our being. There is a much greater Christian life than me just trying to fulfill the law. But he comes to live in us. And in that, working from the inside out. And in that, we know the way, the truth and the life. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For any more information or to find out more of what we do as a church, you can contact us at info at centrechurch.uk or check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.